What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. We don't know when you're hearing this, but it's wintertime. It's cold here. It is cold, colder here in New York, Matt, than it is Vegas. It's my guess. By cold here, I mean 60 degrees. It's Vegas. It's like 30 here in New York. We're officially a weather podcast because yeah. I am going to be a weather person soon Wait, what? in Las Vegas. You're going to be a weather person? Yeah. Do I, I figure, I mean, I guess I can call myself a weatherman. Yeah. Right. Yeah, weatherman. I'm going to be a weatherman soon. Uh, well, we don't know when this is coming out, so this could have already happened. But tell me, what is what you? What is you, like? Can you just go onto a like a TV station and be like, "I'm going to do the weather now"? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's a privilege of being a headliner in Las Vegas. Is just I was like, invited. I was invited oh, okay. a while ago. <laughs> now, granted, I don't think it will have happened by the time people hear this because okay. the weather hap- They like do the weather live at like. I think it's like six o'clock mm-hmm. and it's pretty far from the link, which my show is at seven o'clock and it's really hard for me to find a time when I can do the weather, but I'm so anxious to do it. I really am going to enjoy that gig for so, one time. So like, do you have to like spruce it up and make it like magical or Matt franco or are you just like going to be like, I'm going to be reading the weather like they do? I think the goal is to, you know, be able to read the prompter and mm-hmm. know that it's not mirrored. You know, when you're doing the green screen thing, when you're pointing yeah. to your right, you're really pointing to your left and oh, it uh, gets yeah. confusing. So I think the goal is to just not screw that up to the nth degree. I mean, you could do some video magic by if you just wore a green costume. I think the other like, thing is not wear, wear green. I think there's a bare minimum here. <laughs> you have really high expectations. I'm curious. I think it's the other way. I oh. think it's don't wear green <laughs> and don't screw up. I think those are the, the main requirements. But I am anxious to do it. I just don't know when it's going to be. Can we get a like a sneak preview of like, can you tell us any weather terms and like do the motion for at least me for, to see? Of like what that Wait, would be. do the motions for you to see? Yeah. Weather terms. Um, like, what would you what What do you think would be said if you were doing an impression of a weatherman right now and didn't have the prompter? It totally depends on what time of year it is. But let's say it's now. It's mm-hmm. like, well, we've got a cold front coming in somewhere over here from the east side of the valley, and then over on the west side, over in Summerlin, we're getting a little bit more sun. But expect some clouds later on with a 10% chance of rain. Very unlikely. But if you're up at Mount Charleston, uh, get your skis ready because the snow is going to be coming down. Well, I'm impressed. Wow. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'm a little offended that you're so surprised. <laughs> a little bit offended. But um, I guess Lance Burton's done it and other people and so on. <laughs> the only one I remembered was Lance Burton when sure. he told me he had a bunch of people do it in the past. I mean, but yeah, that was the one that jumped out to me. Now, I feel like you, I mean, that was like almost professional level already. Like, I feel like wow. there, I have wow. no, I have no notes. <laughs> but I'm wondering if it's because Lance did it and you watched all those uh, World's Greatest Magic specials and all that stuff and how you got really good at magic was, you know, kind of practicing the way they did it. So is this just another element of following in your hero's footsteps? And you're like, I don't, I don't think so. I haven't seen Lance's weather performance. <laughs> Let me study Lance and figure out <laughs> how he did it with his intonation. Uh, but I like to think that he killed it. God, yeah, you I'm know, sure you I did. haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, I like to think that he killed it. I like to think that I'll do, you know, a little bit better than that, but you never know. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's just performing, right? You're going to be in front. You're used to being in front of a camera. And it sounds like, yeah, you just got to put in those specifics of whatever they're trying, like letting you say based off of the, you know, Doppler weather forecast. I feel like they're going to make it pretty easy. I feel like when they have a guest to do this sort of thing, they sort of kind of hold your hand through the process. Plus, you have the professional right there. Right. uh, That's going to kind of take you through the ins and out. You have a little bit of time to rehearse, like just a few minutes, and then you just you go and you bang it out. I I think it's going to be so much fun. And I'm so disappointed that like. I haven't had a chance to do it. It's really hard because I have to do it on a night when I'm not working. Um, and, you know, I'm very limited of those generally. I right. guess I could try to do it during a dark week. 
yeah. coming up. That exactly. would be good. Maybe in January. There yeah. you go. I'm excited. And then the weather's probably easier this time of year. It's like it's gonna get in dark. January. It's gonna get dark. You know, at like noon. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate that. I yeah. really do hate that. I would be I would be such a disgruntled weatherman talking about the news that time that this time of year. We're like, yeah. yeah, and it's dark out already. Yeah. That's you know, in the summertime, I get out of my show and it's like still like you could still go do something in the sunlight almost. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. just starting. You started to catch a nice sunset. But now it's like dark before I even go in. Yeah. Every time I'm like going on the subway to somewhere in New York and like it's still light out. And then like depending on where I get off the subway and I get out up above ground again, it's like completely pitch black. I'm like, what just happened? Did I go through a time warp? <laughs> right. <laughs> and why do we do that? Why do we have to change the times? Aren't there some countries and places that don't subscribe to this? There are some states. I think Arizona doesn't do daylight savings. Yeah, I heard Vegas is like trying to jump on the Arizona train. I actually heard that. Yeah. Wow. But you know how the you know the political and legal system works. It would take forever to get yeah. that passed through. Yeah. But hey, it has better late than with never. Farmers was originally like you like to get the the daylight earlier, but it was like the farmers can just still come out whenever the sun comes up, right? I would have to agree with you. <laughs> that's like me saying my show should be at nine in the morning because that's when most people go to work. <laughs> no, I can just come out at nine at night or whatever it is. Yeah, and you know, right? Yeah, and farmers can come out a little earlier. Right. Yeah, I don't Are know. we being insensitive to farmers? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done much farming myself. I I could tell you with a fact I've done zero farming, so. <laughs> you know about the farm video game? I have to ask this. Like Farmville? It's uh that's one of them. There's one called Heyday. <laughs> no, I don't know this. Oh man, people get addicted to that thing. You haven't even seen this. No. Oh boy. I've... Yeah, Tiana's a professional farmer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway we're just talking about magic i was just gonna say try tying that big back into our niche good luck i just like setting you up sometimes to fail i'll just like bring up four unrelated things and be like have fun tie it all together <laughs> and bring it back to the niche yeah exactly well I, i'm gonna abandon the farmville aspect of this <laughs> Let's do a segue. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So this is, uh, we're not quite sure when this is coming out, but uh, I've been uh, binging. So this is kind of evergreen topic. Uh, I, I, I watched the the Beatles Get Back documentary. Are you, did well, you I, watch this at all? I have Disney Plus, but I haven't watched it yet. Wait, what did you call it? Disney Plus. Okay, that's sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Is that uh, the correct pronunciation? Uh, yeah, let's go with that. Disney Plus. Uh, so the, uh, so this is. I'm sure everyone knows about this. And uh, I, my initial reaction. I don't want to spoil anything because I do want people to watch it. I guess. But I think you have to be. I guess. No, what an I, awful recommendation. No, I guess. No, no, no. I think it depends if you're a B big Beatles fan or not. I'm a big Beatles fan. I loved this documentary. I recommend it to any big Beatles fan. I think it might be a little too long if you're just like a casual Beatles fan. Oh, I feel like you like the Beatles. I love the Beatles. This I is feel a like you're a little beyond casual. I am. No, that's what I'm saying. Is I lo I loved sitting through six hours or eight hours or whatever it was three parts and like really diving in but i'm just worried if you're not a huge beatles fan it's gonna feel long for you i think well we don't have to worry we don't have money on the table that's fair right <laughs> it's not our project that's true there's no royalty there's uh -huh. no i mean look uh -huh. if it's a little long eh, it's a little long well you can watch it in do? chunks you can watch it in the three-part chunks you can watch it in six chunks if you want i mean anything streaming anything yeah. is possible you it, pause it. You come back later. That is absolutely true. <laughs> and it tells you where you left off. Are you planning on watching this? I probably will. Well, I mean, I was up until this uh, <laughs> this recommendation, <laughs> this stellar review. <laughs> I found myself. This is how nerdy I am with this. Is like I'm was like real fascinated in all the stuff that was going on, the little nuances. Because it's interesting. It happens. It's their get back recording session that's right before their famous rooftop um, performance, which I actually visited uh, in 2020 in January, right before uh, the pandemic hit. 
I was in London, and one of the stops I wanted to see was where their Apple recording studio was and where they did their last concert together, last live performance. And I have a photo in front of the little plaque that commemorates it, and it was just really cool to see that in person. And then capturing this footage of all of that happening in part three where they're actually up on the roof and performing. Uh, it was just amazing to see because this was um, part of a documentary. There was like 80 hours of footage the director captured. And then Peter Jackson got all this footage and whittled it down to eight hours. Right. This <laughs> is wild. And I'm Which just apparently like, wasn't enough whittling according to Eric Diddleman. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking, I think it was like over 60 hours of footage. It was like, what happened to the rest of the, 52 hours imagine right. all right. the stuff that didn't make it into the documentary it was less entertaining than the eight hours that you watched that's what happened well i think i think it's it's again you have to watch it with all the little nuances and like the little digs that they were kind of jibing each other with throughout because you know this was toward the end of their career before they uh, actually went and recorded abbey road which is and then let it be came after so uh it was just like all towards like the start of the deterioration of the band i think so there's that element but i knew that going in but also to see how much fun and how much play and how much just like their creative process and you see the different personalities and how they had to like manage even just to get through the recording sessions of this and you know at one point george leaves and comes back to the band and all the while, Ringo's just sitting at the drums, and he's just like the easiest, nicest, easygoing one of the members to deal with. And he's just like having a blast. And yeah, drummers are normally that way. Happy to be there. Uh-huh. Uh, I just it was really interesting to see how much play was part of their creative process and like just jamming on old songs, going back to songs they, you know, early in their career, uh, you know, just. Uh, all the different, like, you know, Paul kind of taking reins is like trying to control like the, the group in terms of structure and getting things done. And like Lennon just like, you know, goofing off and, you know, waltzing with Yoko Ono. <laughs> it's really a fascinating watch. I, yeah, I, I loved like it. it. I loved it. There was, um, I'm excited to give it, give it a, a, a peek at some point. Yeah. Yeah, there's this whole thing, too, where we, I mean, we're used to doing live shows, and there was a point in their career where they were like, we don't want to do live shows anymore because, like, they were getting mobbed by fans. There was all this, like, pressure to perform. They liked just being in the recording studio and doing overdubbing. And so this documentary captures them waffling back and forth of, like, should we do a live show? Should we not? It's just, like, wow, really interesting to see. And then the director is also, like, pushing for this live show because he wants it to be this big extravaganza. I think he mentions, uh, like, trying to get them to perform in, like, Tripoli in this giant amphitheater outside as, like, the big finale of this documentary he's trying to push. And they're like that's far away <laughs> they're like we don't know if we even want to perform it's so it's just so fascinating to see them back and forth and uh again the the creative places they even put their cigarettes was fascinating to me <laughs> usually like in the guitar or something on the neck yeah. of it or something like towards the end i there. think george harrison like put it into his like on the end of one of his loose guitar strings it was just like dangling it would right <laughs> right right <laughs> it's fascinating it was and, a like, different time and then you get to see like the the cool showbiz parts of like meeting with the set designers and they're trying to come up with like the set design for the special. Uh, That's fun. Yeah, all the different design elements and it seems so or unorganized and like all over the place, but somehow they still like get these moments where you're just like, oh, John Lennon's late to rehearsal. Paul McCartney's there and he's just fooling around on his bass and just creates get back in real time he just comes up with that song he just starts jamming gets the verse you know gets the melody and you're like we're just seeing him create this iconic song <laughs> like it was right, amazing right. like yeah. to see like we know the end result of all of these this music to see them play and all the different variations leading up to it and the stuff that didn't work and then did work and then it's like slowly shaping into the thing we know that's just like this pristine you know album recording later on uh, mm -hmm. unbelievable man it's just so cool to see it's Very really cool. really cool 
I yeah, I, I ended up like I said taking notes on the documentary as really? I was, as I was watching it. It's just like these are like little quotes I really liked and like wow. things like that. I don't know. It's like like George said at one point, like these are the, these are the things that have worked best for us that uh and it hasn't really been planned. It's just like you let something and it just does it itself, whatever it's gonna be, it becomes that. And like just having that mentality of like letting go and like you could have mm. an idea of where something's gonna be going, but right. like it's never quite gonna match up where it goes, it just ends up being what it is. Right. I, I mean, even so you could cool. probably say you could probably say that for this podcast. I mean we probably had some kind of idea. No, it's true. Yeah, I don't yeah. even mean it as a joke. Like when we started it and then like eventually you find your footing in it. it. I think every good podcast starts as one thing and then like kind of finds its footing, right? Yeah, I think so. Every think good anything. There's like really cool motivational quotes that just happen through um, like one quote, uh, Dennis O'Dell, who I think is like a producer or something or just someone from popping in. Uh he says, like, never save a good idea, do it. That's so motivational. <laughs> I mean, you gave me that same advice. So you, you, you took your own advice, and America's yeah. got talent with that. I mean, yeah. you know, whatever your best idea is, do it now. You might not be here. Oh, actually, it was a producer who said that, but I think you lived by it as well. And we had the same producer, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. credited you nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely passed that along. Yeah, for sure. And then, like... <laughs> George stayed up late in the documentary, like, because they would all, uh, I so found it so fascinating. They would all be going off and doing, working on their own songs and then, like, bringing them in to, like, share, you know, what they created on their own. But, like, George recalls at one point in the documentary, he's like, I had your, your voice in my head, John, from 10 years ago that said, you know, finish them straight away. As soon as you start them, finish them. And just, like, hmm. get through that process and not procrastinate right. because you never right. know, like, if you start something, if you're ever going to come back and finish it if you don't finish it right then. I do that. I procrastinate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do yep. too. Yep. Anyway, I just, it's so cool to see. And then this was the other thing I want to bring up. Because of that rooftop concert that they do, it was a surprise to everyone on the streets. They have footage of everyone walking around the streets of London and because it was a for a documentary, they had a camera doing like interviews on the street to people and be like, right. do you know what music this is? It's like, what do you think? Is it good? Do you like, do you, do you want the Beatles to play at every lunchtime? And then you get the people who loved it and the people that were like, this is a nuisance. This is, you know, wow. <laughs> you know, this is disturbing the peace. We're trying to run businesses here to see just like this iconic thing that they were waffling back and forth of even doing. And now it's like this last performance, iconic image them on a roof like that we just think back of and sometimes like that george quote uh, that one's like you just let it be the thing it is and it mm -hmm. becomes something so like you can't really push things and i'm trying to think like how we as our performance in our style like how can we do what we do and just kind of do things that are memorable or become these experiences that people never forget and I think like you can shape it so much, but you just kind of have to go with it and hope it resonates with people. And then, oh see yeah, it, see look at you goes. with the tie-in. There what, goes the tie-in. What I do? Like, what I, I love do. it. No, I I actually had a, an instance kind of like this where it sort of was like I didn't mean for it to happen, but I had to roll with it. Uh, and speaking of, um, what did you say? Mobs of fans. This isn't quite Beatles level here, <laughs> uh, but I. At the end of my show, I used to do like high fives and things to the front row, and it's not choreographed. It's just kind of in the moment. Mm -hmm. And now I've kind of that's that's changed to fist bumps these days. Yeah, sure. Right. Um, everyone, you know, once in a while, someone will hold up, you know, a piece of merchandise or a card or something to sign, and I'll kind of do that quickly. The music's still playing, and then I I run to my spike mark on the stage, and uh, you know, the screens come down, and and it's sort of a a reverse of the way the show started. Everything's wrapped up in a neat package, but I got to get to that spike mark before the screen moves because those weigh 8,000 pounds and I don't want to get hit, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the other night, I'm going to, you know, sign a playing card and then yet another one and then another this and then someone says, oh, selfie and their phone's all ready to go and boom, I'm doing the photos. And now I know I've, I'm way beyond my cue in the music where I can just run upstage and be out of the way of the screens. I know that's not going to happen. Sure. So like they're holding the screens so that I don't die getting hit by them. And I just, you know, I say to the stage manager off mic, just bring in the screens. There's no way I'm going to make it. And I stood out there for about an hour 
<laughs> just at the edge of the stage, you know, doing photos and whatnot at the end of the show, which I don't mind at all. Uh-huh. It's fun for me and it's yeah. enjoyable. And I and like you said, it, it just let it be what it is. And it yeah. also creates a memorable experience for sure Absolutely. for everyone involved. But the, the downside, the part that like the reason I don't sort of unexpectedly do that on a regular basis, because it also creates havoc for mm-hmm. anyone who works right. <laughs> at the show. Exactly. <laughs> you know, whether you're yeah. security, ushers, cleaning crew, mm-hmm. stagehands who need to like come off the stage and they're like, can I go out there now? Is the house technically clear? What, you know, right. it just creates yeah. this chaos, which, you know, isn't what I intended to do, but it was for uh, the greater good. Well, maybe the same two cops that shut down the rooftop show for the Beatles would come and shut down your <laughs> your. There was no fan. shutdown. <laughs> but uh, imagine yeah, being w- those cops. By the way, that's like we ended no. the last Beatles performance. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I wouldn't so, want that to be me. No, no. And I don't think they're. Are they still around? They could be. Those cops yeah. could very well still be alive yeah. and well. Yeah. I mean they plaster their names onto the documentary so i'm sure oh, they it's did some, something easy you can check out yeah to see if they yeah. are still with us here uh, surprised you didn't look that up as part of your notes no, that you took during no. the documentary <laughs> <laughs> i think that another part you'd like is uh, just how raw they are throughout the rehearsal process because they are they're aware their camera's filming them and they're just like we're gonna do our thing Peter Sellers comes and visits them on set for uh, a quick second because he's in the movie with Ringo that they have like a hard deadline. So they have to do this all in a month. Uh, and Peter Sellers like meets the, this is like hanging out with the Beatles for a second. And they're just like, yeah, this is just us being, you know, allowing ourselves to be embarrassed by, you know, who we really are on screen. And Peter Sellers is like, all right, I'm going to go. Bye. <laughs> nice meeting you. Uh, and then what was the other thing I want to know? Oh, the other real part that I think you'll be interested because we talk about reviews and stuff they there's like yes. articles that came out and like they're reading the articles and some of them's pretty disparaging about the beatles and the fights and the drama that they had and they're just like reading it and like mocking it <laughs> in their rehearsal studio as well so like to, to seeing when you're a mega celebrity like the beatles were to figure out you know how to deal with press and like <laughs> do you read the bad reviews they did <laughs> you know hey man you can't please everybody and mm-hmm. you shouldn't you know you shouldn't necessarily try to right yeah yeah i don't know there's so many things i think you can pull and i might i might do a rewatch at some point it's just like it's great i loved it yeah i love well it. i so just looked up some beatles trivia so oh yeah. oh boy <laughs> I, I don't know you're gonna put that put my money where my mouth is <laughs> yes sir uh, late career beatles trivia okay okay so at this point let's switch over i'll try and stump you with some riddles because it's time for diddle me this diddle me this Diddle me that will eric end up stumping matt riddles all right, we'll shift gears away from the Beatles for a little bit. This Just for a quick moment. <laughs> yeah, for a quick moment. Uh, where did my riddle go? Okay, there it is. Uh, all right, so this is a wordplay riddle. Okay. Uh, I got sent to me a list of words. There's something unusual about them, but what is it? Can you figure it out? Here are the words. Revive. Banana. Grammar. Voodoo, uh, potato, dresser, uneven. Those are the and words. I'm supposed to figure out what's peculiar about those? Yes. You want to hear them again? It has something to do with the vowels. Here's the list again. Revive, banana, grammar, voodoo, potato, Dresser, uneven. Uh, I was going to say they have two matching vowels and two matching consonants, but voodoo doesn't have two matching consonants. Correct. I would recommend if you are um, listening to this, write down some of these words and take a look at them. That might give you some help if you're obviously listening to this on your commute. Uh, pull over if you're going to write down <laughs> these words. Uh, Listen, I'm, 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 I'm right there with our commuters here. I'm not in a position where I can easily write these things down. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Revive, voodoo, grammar. It's got something to do with the ratio between the consonants and the vowels. That's the, that's the, where I'm going. The ratio. 
Yeah, like there's a certain number of like or order of consonant consonants and vowels, mm. something like that. Or you said it's wordplay. Oh, this is a riddle, not trivia. Yeah. So I don't well, know. It's kind of wordplay-ish. It's not really yeah. trivia uh, per se. You but. said it's yeah, it's, it's a riddle, but like I'm mm. not. Mm. Yeah. I think I'm on the right track, so killed it. It is something about each individual word rather than the words being linked together. So you okay. at least got that part. So if you just okay. take one of those words. Okay, we're going to go with grammar. Grammar. Try no, and let's go with revive. Sure, revive. Try and see that in your mind's eye. I got it. R-E-V-I-V-E. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see it in my third eye. Great. Uh, what's weird about that word? That would be similar to a word like banana, maybe. Like the thing about banana has all the A's in it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So revive has two E's. Mm-hmm. But, but what else sure does it have? An R and a V. All right. So I'm going to... Oh, I'm gonna, two V's. Here's two V's and Yeah, but look at the order of the letters <laughs> in revive. Do you see a pattern at all? E, V. Oh, is it something about... When you reverse it, it's like something. You're getting close, yeah. Okay. So there's one letter that's uh, that you can remove. Oh. And if you put it at the end and do what oh, you just then, said. Oh, okay. So if you take the first letter and put it at the end and reverse it, I mean, what yeah. is this, Missy Elliott? Who's doing that? <laughs> it's oh a wordplay game. So if you do that with banana, take the first letter off, put it at the end and reverse yeah. it, it's banana. Put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. Grammar, voodoo, uh -huh. potato. Mm -hmm. So they're like one letter off from a palindrome almost. Okay, so uh, this is dresser. another expert level riddle. I like uneven. That's a fun one because you don't necessarily think you could do that with uneven. You just put the U at the front. Do you understand? To me, it feels like none of them should be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting one. It's just definitely a word one. It's a one. great one. Yeah. It's a great one. No, that's high level though. I mean, but hey. We're yeah. getting up there in we're, episode we're, numbers. We're, we should be getting some high level. We're challenging you, and I'm I'm always looking for riddles. So some of them are going to be hard because it's only the ones I can find. So mm -hmm. yes, if, sir. And if you have riddles, please send them to me. I'm always looking for more, especially as we keep the podcast going. Uh, you can email me at uh, mindovermagic at gmail .com. Oh, I got it wrong. Sorry, mindovermagicpodcast at gmail .com. And just wow. send the riddle. There we go. Uh, I wasn't looking at my notes. Let's jump over to trivia. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready, time to use his wit. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Trivia, pressure, trivia time. I have multiple choice. What was the last song John Lennon played for a paying audience? Played for a paying audience? And here's the fun part. You and I are going to find out the answer together. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, the aforementioned rooftop concert wasn't for a paying audience. So I don't even okay. know what their last paying audience was. It says John Lennon specifically. Oh, too. okay. So this could not be the Beatles group. It could just be when he went solo. Oh. I'm not going to get this because I'm a I'm more of a completist of Beatles when they were together. Okay. Knowledge. Well, we got choices, so. Uh, let me think. Let me think, too. Uh, by the way, I don't know if I did my whole Beatles rundown justice because I could feel like I could talk about the Beatles Get Back documentary for hours. Listen, but listen anyway, we yeah. can get back into that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We can get but, right back into that. Uh, Anything is possible. I've got more to talk about. What are the choices, Matt? It's been two weeks since I talked to you. You better have some good <laughs> topics to talk about. Jeez. All right. All right. John uh, Lennon's last paid performance for Across the Universe. Mm hmm. Imagine. Mm hmm. I saw her standing there. Yeah. Benny and the Jets. Well, I feel like Benny and the Jets is an Elton John song. Uh. <laughs> Alas, there is a choice <laughs> Benny and the Jets. Across the universe, imagine, what was the third one? I saw her standing there. I don't think he would do that by himself. I mean, he wrote Imagine by himself, so I feel like it's probably Imagine. I'm so excited to find out. Are we locking it in? Yeah. Here we go. 
Is that a no? I think that means no. <laughs> <laughs> what is our next guess? Uh, across the universe. Okay. I think I agree with that. Let's see. No? It, it's got to be I saw her standing there. Yeah. Right, let's find out. There it is. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, so we do one more. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious what this device you have. <laughs> like what the, you just have like a app feature now if you're doing uh I literally found it while we were conversing. Like amazing. literally I was like, "Oh, trivia is coming up. Let me do Be- Beatles." <laughs> it, it literally was like a one-handed sure. thumb search on my phone. It's amazing. Uh why did George Martin make the Beatles re-record Please Please Me? Hmm. I have choices. George Martin, known as the fifth Beatle. Uh, please, please me. Mm. Again, I'm shakier on their earlier stuff than I am on their later, like, let it be a love. Abbey Road I could talk about for hours, literally. Mm-hmm. Like, just sit me down. And I'll tell you all the musical elements I love about Abbey Road. It's my favorite mm-hmm. album. Uh, here are the choices, Matt. Okay. We have John Lennon was sick. Mm-hmm. It was too slow. Mm-hmm. The lyrics were too explicit. The drumming was subpar. Mm. I, I'll say John Lennon was sick. I don't know. I don't know this. <laughs> Do you have a guess? You don't know. <laughs> uh, let's go with. Uh, let's go with. Is this one Gosh. that is this one that replaced Pete Best? No, that was before. <laughs> the, the options are: it was too slow. The lyrics were too explicit. The drumming was subpar. Why did George Martin make the Beatles re-record "Please Please Me"? You you were arguing that this was like expert level riddles. I feel like you found an expert level Beatles trivia. <laughs> Let's see. What do you want to try? The lyrics were too explicit. Mm, too slow. I'll say All right, too ready? slow. Yeah. Got him. Got it on the second try. <laughs> hey, let's get one more in here. Let's get one more. I'm having fun. <laughs> I I just I just love how I like quickly found this mm-hmm. so fast while we were talking, but it's like literally the best little trivia function I've ever found <laughs> in you know, 70 some odd episodes here. Oh, all right, we got Abbey Road specific. Okay. I, I hope I can get this now that I've already talked up my game for Abbey Road. You gotta you gotta work your visual yeah. memory here. Yeah. No okay. cheating. Oh, is it the order of them on the, the sidewalk? Not that difficult, okay. but okay, close. Good. Okay, sure. Very close. Which beetle crossed Abbey Road first? Like in the famous photo? Or I'm like, assuming that's like, what this is referring to. Or just like ever. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and assume it means the photo. It's a very iconic photo. I believe uh, walking in the front of the line, because this also stems to some of the Paul is dead rumors. I think he's wearing all, wait, but no, he's got the cigarette so that he's back in the line. Wearing all white is up front. Is John Lennon? I'm trying to picture the album cover now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll go with John Lennon. Up front. Let's see. Yeah. Wow. Woo. Photograph was taken at approximately 11:35 a.m. on Friday, August 8th. Hmm. So what's funny is I went to the other place I went on my London trip was to see um, Abbey Road Studios, and all the tourists that are trying to recreate that photo. It's fascinating to watch. One, I couldn't do it because you definitely need someone else to take the photo of you to get the iconic shot. You can't, right. you can't do it as a one person walking around London, you know. Right. But the thing is, they don't stop traffic. Traffic is going. So people are just waiting for cars to pass down this busy road and then just like in between cars running out and trying to take the photo and then like moving out of the way as cars come barreling down. Well, that's not true for them. They held up traffic for 10 minutes <laughs> as six pictures were taken. That makes sense. But the, all the tourists trying to do it, it seems like a dangerous game to get that photo. <laughs> all right. I got to find out the answer to this one. So I got one more. <laughs> this is now just a Beatles trivia podcast. 
Absolutely. We're adding I mean, it. I might even do this next week. <laughs> we're, we're adding this to our Cobra Kai and other. Remember how we talked about podcast, podcast start off as one thing and then they end up something else? And then you this just app. quote, let it be, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, this is going to be of interest right here because this one's this one's very curious. And I, maybe everyone knows about this and I don't. Mm-hmm. But for what crime was Paul McCartney deported from Germany? I got choices and they're they're pretty serious. I think it was a drug charge, but go on. Not an option, by the way. Oh, so maybe not. <laughs> Arson. Oh. Prostitution. Mm-hmm. Assault. Mm-hmm. Robbery. I think maybe assault. I think really because I know even the in the let the let it be they talk about how George. Uh, like assaulted a photographer. Like it's it's that Ooh. paparazzi thing, right? Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Let's see. I, that's my guess. Final answer: list assault. No. I I I. If I you didn't notice, I did sound surprised by that guess because I have my own guess. I was see, I wasn't around. Like I didn't know the tabloids of this stuff. I just you know grew up listening to their music, but I wasn't around in the sixties. I I I assumed it has to be prostitution. Oh. Not that he would need it. It just feels like the rock star. Because uh, he's the cute one. Deportation reason here. I don't know. I mean, it was a crazy time and, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. He wasn't. He was soliciting, maybe. Is that what you're thinking? Not that he was the <laughs> prostituting oh, I can't even believe you're asking me that question. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> I'm not saying he was a human trafficker. I'm not saying he was whoring himself out. You go, because he was the cute one. What are we talking about? Good Lord. All right, what's the answer? Well, props to you, the fact that soliciting prostitution is so far off your radar that you didn't even didn't even cross your mind that that's what this was referring to. So, all right, let's, let's get the ding, ding, ding. Here we go, because it can't be arson or robbery, so... Whoa! Is it arson? Let's try arson. It can't be arson. What? Wow. All right. Uh, we Apparently, we need more Beatles knowledge. We'll have to do some research into all that. Oh, I've... wait a minute, brother. I've got information here. <laughs> so... I'm sure um, there's listeners, by the way, that already knew all this stuff, So, but it's fascinating. I don't know a lot of the... The tabloidy stuff. I'm sure there are many who don't know this. This, this to me, I think you're right when you said this was diving pretty deep into the Beatles trivia. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen to this. So this kind of ties into the, I don't know. <laughs> Paul McCartney and Pete Best were arrested and deported for arson in 1960 after they set fire to a condom in a concrete corridor. Wow. Now, why would one do that? Well, here's the thing, too, is what I really noticed and stuck with me from the the documentary is just how young they were at the end of their career. They're like in their, you know, late 20s or whatever. Right. That came back. So when they were blowing up, I mean, the Quarrymen started when like John and Paul were what, like 15, 16 and like George Harrison was like 13 or something like that around those ages. So they were real young and then became famous in their teens. So it sounds like just teens dicking around doing like stupid stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) I suppose that makes sense. And then once you add fame and money and celebrity to all that, like you're going to do dumb stuff. Well, that's how I feel, like, honestly, like, watching any any pro sport, really, but, like, NFL, for example, I'm always so shocked by, like, how young everyone is. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, like, because, like, growing up, they were, they were adults. They were so much older. Now I look, and they're, like, you know, children. It's just it's yeah. just a crazy – aging is a crazy thing. Yeah, we're getting old. This is the Old Men Podcast. <laughs> just, just let it be. Just for the record, I'm only 33, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Depending on when this airs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you uh, s- same age as Jesus. Tie this into the Beatles saying they're bigger than be- Jesus. This is all great. I, I'm not even going to be able to focus for the whole rest of the podcast because I'm so anxious to see if this app that I just found has other categories. <laughs> now I have my own ding and ant system. 
That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's t- let's get back to the subject of our podcast, which we, is what we are not a Beatles <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we are a magic podcast. Uh, magic in mind. Magic in mind. Yeah, uh, things we think about and mentalism and mind reading. It all ties in. Uh, we just yeah, we just spelled it out for you for you, those wondering why you're listening, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I wanted to bring up a conversation I had with a, a friend of mine. It's stuff we've talked about, uh, touched upon in the past. But uh, I just was really interesting because uh, I have a friend who's a programmer, really analytical into like, you know, computer science and how things work. And he was talking about magic. And he was talking about the thing that bugs him about magic is he loves seeing the skill behind whatever it is, whether it's sports or, you know, I brought up juggling as an example, but like the fact that we have mystery that conceals that skill level bugs him a bit. Cause he wants to know if he sees a magician, you know, what the difference between someone who spent their life learning difficult slates of hand moves versus like, you know, someone who just picked it up. He wants to see that difference in terms of skill level. Uh, and the fact that the whole point of magic is hiding that secret so that wonder can occur gets to him. What are your thoughts on skill and Dude, technique? There, there, this is heavy. There's it, so much to unpack on this. That's why I was like, we could talk for hours on that. I mean, we're going to have to, we might as well just record a whole nother episode <laughs> when we finish this one shortly. I mean, oh man. Um, okay. There are schools of thought on skill in magic and some believe that skill should be hidden and you shouldn't do demonstrations of skill. Others believe that you can show uh, explicit skill. For example, cardistry, fancy cuts, um, coin flourishes, uh, anything sort of along those lines that's like a, a flourish, for the lack of a better phrase. I th- there is no better phrase. Flourish right. is what it's right. called. <laughs> um, and some people like are sort of anti-flourish. And usually people who are anti-flourish are not anti like for everyone. Maybe it doesn't fit them. So like they personally prefer not to show skill. Mm-hmm. And some have amazing skill. It's not just because they're like not talented. Right. Uh, but their belief is that um, for their style, they don't want to demonstrate that skill because they feel it makes their magic stronger. Is there truth to that? Yeah, probably for some cases. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I like to do demonstrations of skill. Uh, for example, um, one of my favorite tricks in the world, Sam the Bell Hop. Or if you look at my America's Got Talent first audition, uh, it's a what we call in magic a card story or a type mm-hmm. of card story. And, and that really is a demonstration of skill. So that's something that I need to be aware of when I perform that so that I know whatever the next thing in my set list would be, for example, I'm just making this up as an example. The next thing shouldn't also be a demonstration of skill. There needs right. to be variety. We don't want mon- monotony, right? Yeah. So... Uh, all skills in magic aren't hidden. So, you know, palming a card from in the middle of the center of the deck. Yes, that takes sleight of hand skill. Yes, we hide that skill. Um, doing a thumb fan requires skill, but it's not hidden. It is mm-hmm. it is very much out in the open. Mm-hmm. So there are different types of skill within magic. And some feel that if you can fan the cards in one hand and flip it around your back and catch it in your mouth, then yeah, you could find the card that they're thinking of without them noticing and put it in your back pocket. It's it's not impossible for them to make that leap if they see all these ridiculous things you can do overtly, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, do spectators of magic think into it that far? No, but do they feel it on a subconscious level? Very, They very well might. Um, I, I do think some people watch magic for like that not necessarily because they want to know the methods that they do are trying to understand how this is possible and they do want to see, you know, or appreciate the skill. You've talked about this in the past that like, uh, and this ties into a whole nother conversation about exposure and wonder. And we can get to that in in another episode. So like I had a conversation with this friend and broke out up into pretty philosophical questions. So we'll, we'll save some of those for future episodes. But mm. the fact that you said like learning a little bit about the techniques of magic gives you a deeper appreciation. So like when you do have an element in your show where you do show off some skill, like that could be to show, yes, I do have this technique and it is difficult, but a lot of times you're not seeing that technique. I think a lot of like gambling demonstrations, when you have 
guys like yourself or anyone who studies or girls as well, sorry to genderize it, but uh, mm-hmm. anyone who studies um, the just, you know, sl- impressive, difficult, ridiculous sleight of hand moves, they'll probably put a gambling demonstration some point in their show to show off those skills, right? To show that they put the time in. And or I'll find also, some format for it, yes. A format for it, then to mm-hmm. then show like, all right, if this is the stuff I'm showing you, imagine the stuff I'm not showing you as well. Like to right. have that element of mystery. Um, for me, it comes down, the hammer comes down in a different way because I'm, a lot of mentalism isn't necessarily dexterity skill i mean there are some advanced techniques in mentalism as well but um it's kind of the pen and teller have talked about the philosophy of like exposing a method if it's so beautiful like it's better to show that than the actual trick sometimes but the reason most people don't show a, a method is because it's ugly or simple or mm-hmm. dumb or mm-hmm. like you don't or want will it be out. perceived as ugly simple or yeah, dumb i don't yeah, think they ever yeah. actually are but right, yeah right right and the thing is, like, I can create some amazing m- method or moments in my show using really simple techniques. So it's mm-hmm. how do you judge a very difficult technique versus a simple technique when I really see the skill in the difference between a seasoned pro and a someone just picking up is how they're scripting and performing and the skills of audience management to create that wonder in someone else's mind. Uh, so it's not necessarily a dexterity skill, but like a performance presentational skill uh, sometimes because the the technical skill, the dexterity skill could be so variant of simple to complex, but no one sees it anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and just to, for uh, an argument for the sake of showing skill, I do agree with your friend though. Like I do believe showing skill does um, establish, it can, depending on your character, can establish credibility. Boom, right off the bat, like a form of juggling, like the audience member goes, wow, that's crazy, I can't do that. Um, I'm not like a crazy finger flinger when it comes to like the type of magic I do, but like a lot of it, like let's say I'm doing cards, because that's a type of magic where people, that's a great example of like, Leonard Green, for example, hides his skill for for a lot of it. He does some stuff that looks skillful. Uh, Anyway, um, a lot of what I'm doing is is probably perceived as skill, even though it's not like crazy cardistry. Like it's not focused on that. Everything kind of still looks and feels natural to a point, I think. Um, But I mean, half of what I practice probably is hidden, and the other half is overt, right? Right. So, gosh, I don't know. It's a careful balance. It's I think it needs to be what fits you. And I, I kind of don't think about it so much. I more or less just do what feels right to me and what I enjoy. Um, but you show great discipline because I know there are things that you can do that you've never done for an audience before in terms of like overt skill. Absolutely. Yeah. There's stuff that it just doesn't fit the, it, it would take away from the experience, especially with mentalism being so much more about the audience and what they're perceiving and like being that connection and the, sometimes some intimate things you're revealing about people. Uh, and if you're taking then the spotlight and just putting it back on yourself and being like, look what I can do, or you're showing a display of a sleight of hand, like, you know, I can do some fancy cuts and flourishes with cards and stuff, but I would never do that in my stage show because then people are wondering like, oh, what other kind of stuff he can do that's sleight of hand rather than I want them not to even think there's any sleight of hand if there is, you know, in a certain routine or anything like that because it's all up here in your head and really trying to create that wonder if that if that's yes. on the nose there yeah yes it's on, no that's perfect uh just an argument now in the other direction too <laughs> like uh, no it, it's mm-hmm. here's the thing there's a very big difference and i'll just bring it back to card tricks here there's a very big difference in the audience member going wow that was great you're really fast with your hands and mm. wow that was impossible absolutely and i think what we usually want is that that's impossible Um, so like, I think it's okay to show that you're fast with your hands, but that can't also be the explanation for how the magic was done. Sure. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Right. right? It's almost gotta be separate, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I can't do these amazing things, but it's also can't encroach on that wonder because you want people to, that's kind of where this conversation with the friend went as well Is like exposure of technique. Does that really upset the experience of the wow factor? Because you're then thinking about the technical and, aspects rather than the perceived overall impact now yeah i think that's it i think it's like 
it, it establishes credibility if you can go, watch how I can sneak this card out of the middle of the deck and you openly expose how you might do that, right? And they go, wow, that's really impressive. I could never do that, right? But then the, that's just one phase. The next phase is now you put it in the middle of the deck and we're going to set the deck on this pedestal and I won't even touch it. All I do is snap and blah, blah, blah. Now like you're, you're, you're showing sleight of hand, but then you're going, but watch, that's not what this is. And that creates a magic moment. Um, you know, let's use David Copperfield, for example. If he were to do, he doesn't do like tons of um, things that are like perceived as a demonstration of skill necessarily, but it wouldn't necessarily hurt him if he did, right? Mm, I don't right. think it would like hurt his grandpa's aces routine if it was a little more flashy. I don't think it like, I mean, it's kind of perfect the way it is, but like if there was a moment of uh, perceived skill, which I think there are some moments in there that are that, but if it was a little bit more, I don't think it would hurt it. Um, whereas if you're Darren Brown, it does hurt it. Right. Yeah. It's a perfect right? character in the style, I think. And yeah, where you want to show off and where you don't. So I think the, 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 the core of the question, and I could be wrong, but the, what I ever perceived about my friend was trying to determine, he likes to know the dedication that goes into someone or like, even comparing it to football, he's like when a like a blocker knows where to go to block and like having that instinct and like seeing the the minutia of the craft in order to get to uh, a place of appreciation rather than seeing that whole picture, he likes to dive into the weeds of the process and the aspect. So if you're a casual magic viewer, you don't often see a lot of that because it's obscured of the actual technique. Uh, and that's why I said like, seeing the skill of the presentation is where you can kind of see what's being, you know, at, at the forefront uh, on the surface, if you will. Uh, so how would you recommend if someone wanted to see the difference between someone just picking up a deck of cards and becoming, a, you know, their first year in magic versus a season pro? What, what are those things to look for to really tell the difference between, you know, the, the highly quote skilled and the highly, or newly skilled or developing skilled? Well, you know, everyone's skilled in different ways, right? right? Someone might not be a top-notch sleight of hand person, but they might be like the best public speaker you've ever seen. And sure. they might think up great routines that, that resonate with people. Um, I don't think someone needs to be like an amazing sleight of hand artist to be a great magician. I think they need to have an understanding of the principles, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think they need to be necessarily great at the execution. So, it's so it's just so hard to say because magic is more broad maybe than than your friend might be aware of, right? right. Yeah. So like there are you can like um, suck at many facets of magic and be an amazing magician because you know the things you're good at. That's true. And one of the examples I gave too is like again I use a lot of simple quote simple technique in my show, but I, I could do more advanced things per se in that moment, but. It's like if it's working and if it's simple, like why work harder? You know, right? <laughs> to, no, to get some, to the same yeah. effect because the effect is the only thing that's kind of outwardly that the audience experiences. Being good and experienced in that scenario is knowing the simplest solution to exactly. get from point A to point B and right, choosing right, it right. rather than having the ego to go, oh, I'm going to do this more difficult thing. I mean, we've Just all made show that mistake. Off, yeah. <laughs> show off to who, right? Yeah, Yourself yeah, or yeah. the few people who know. Um, mm -hmm. So. Back to football, that's broad too. Like you mentioned the blocker, knowing who to block. Yeah, that's a great skill, blah, blah, blah. And they followed the play and this and that. But that snapper is not a great running back. Right, yeah, that's true. Right, and that quarterback is not the best blocker on the team. Right, yeah. Just the same way that stage illusionist might not be a card manipulator at all. Mm -hmm. Right, so, so they, each, each, each uh, context has its own different strengths and finding the right... It, it, you know, niche for niche for that performer to find what they're good at, and then highlight those skills that they're good at is what yeah. we're really talking about. Yeah, and the only way to really know what to look for, I mean, honestly, first of all, <laughs> it's all what you like. Every, it's subjective, like any other art. So, like, you 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 can like music that's simplistic, and you like it, and that's fair, right? But as you your ear becomes more discerning and you learn more about musicality and chord progressions and harmonies and things, your music t taste might change. Um, so the more magic you watch, the more discerning your palate for magic becomes. And you notice the difference between someone who 
to a lay person, it just looks like a, a person doing a card trick. But to your discerning eye, you might go, wow, that person really doesn't even know how to hold the deck. Mm. Yeah. Right. Compared. Right. To, and then when, you, but because you've seen, you know, uh, Steve 40 handle the deck and you go, oh, that that's two different things. Right. <laughs> this person right. barely knows how to spread through, but I never would have noticed that they're holding it in the wrong mm -hmm. hand or it's upside down or they're doing it backwards and the pips aren't showing. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> there are all these mm -hmm. little things or it's like you could tell from across the room if you have a discerning eye, like that this is uncomfortable for this person and it might not show in their body language, but you just see it. Yeah, that's true. I'm also trying to think about how to tie this back to the Beatles is like when they <laughs> when they first started out, they were very, you know, kind of simple chords, simple, mm -hmm. simple song design, you know, simple structures. And then the more you do anything, the more you get comfortable in what you do know and you can expand upon the skills that you have and right. then venture out into new skills. And then by the time they were at the, you know, their last few albums they were doing so many experimental things in the studio with their technique on the instruments was amazing but again you're not experienced necessarily in the technique you're just taking the whole song at times and then when you dive into the weeds you can get a deeper understanding and I think there is a difference between that overall effect and then mm -hmm. if you want to dig deeper you can discover layers and I think that's why some people get into magic is they're like, we love this effect. I need to know how it's done. I'm going to look into it. And it's like, maybe they won't perform it. But if you're looking and searching for the methods behind things because you want to know how this works, I think that puts you in the realm of being a magician. I think that you're, you've got that natural curiosity if that's something that you, you constantly do and want to continue exploring. Magic is an interesting thing, and it can be taught to a degree it's, it's, it's one thing to be a good magic performer that's very different from being a magic creator, I guess. Uh, let's, let's just look at like Ryan Seacrest, mm -hmm. right? Because he's such a good TV personality. I'm pretty confident I could take Ryan Seacrest and teach him a routine that requires no traditional dexterity in magic mm -hmm. terms. And I think he could perform an amazing routine. Absolutely. Yeah. That doesn't mean he could create magic. That doesn't mean he could have a long shelf life as a magician mm -hmm. necessarily, unless he decided that's what he wanted to do and devote his time to that. It doesn't mean he necessarily even understands what he's performing, mm -hmm. but I think it could be taught in the same way that, um, you know, on American Idol, you can have incredible vocalists. Sure. Great singers that might not be songwriters because the requirement of that show is that they're performing covers essentially. Uh, weird that I've referenced American Idol and Ryan Seacrest. I didn't mean to make that connection. <laughs> but um, your brain is working. I'm seeing the, yeah, yeah. Connecting the dots in your head as you're going. Um, Performing and creating are different. And I wonder, too, if that's why sometimes magic doesn't get the respect it, it should is because there's this plug-and-play element to it, whether you, know, you could take someone off the street if they've got an amazing personality like Ryan Seacrest and just teach them a few things and then they're an amazing performer. I think that actually was like kind of the origin story of you know, Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. Like He does magic, but he got to it, I think, later in life, but he had the performing chops of being an actor, and that's why he got really good at it. You know, really well, if you're fast. a good actor, you're going to have a leg up on being a, a for sure. magician for sure. Yeah. But then you get the other side of it, too, where people are just plugging playing in the trick from the magic store that they bought that afternoon, and maybe they're not, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of skill because they think they're at this level where they could just buy a thing and put it in and not practice it and no, not understand the nuances, not put the time into the performance of it. And I think that element where like you can be amazing without a lot of skill is why there's like sometimes not a lot of no that's not true because there is know. still a lot of skill ryan seacrest has crap well, tons of skill but that's it's just, what i'm saying is not him per se but like yeah. someone else who could just buy something off a shelf store and think and call themselves a magician well if ryan seacrest yeah. can get by only to a certain degree how much can the person get by that literally bought i mean not right. much yeah 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 you know right. what i mean and like right. like even even with a skilled tv personality like he could get through the performance and do a great job and i'm still going to see the nuances that are missing well that's what i'm saying yeah i agree right because is again something you got to devote your time and that's why i say a lot of the skill i see in performers is 
that experience of creating that moment of wonder and having to know like where to lean into, where to lean away from, what elements to emphasize in your script, when to go off yeah. script, when to perform, what audience members to choose, you know, how to recap things in the right way so that they're remembering the right moment of what's impossible, what's not impossible. Like there's so many elements into that presentation part that sometimes that's the skill you see more overtly when there's also could be skill that's covert. There, there, there's, it's not just magic though, buddy. It's like, uh, I know we say though magic has this reputation, but the truth is dancing with the stars. The whole theme of that show yeah. is they're ostensibly taking people that are from other fields. Mm -hmm. uh, now, granted, they might have like an ex-boy band member, which to me would in theory have a huge advantage right. <laughs> compared to like someone who's a chef, right? Right, right, right. Um, but like they're teaching these people dance week after week and they actually do get better throughout the show. Um, a show like Mass Singer where they have athletes go on and things like that that are like not traditional singers. And we sit down and watch the show and we go, wow, that was really good. But a singer would hear, see the missing nuances that we're not seeing, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with dance, right? Yeah. We go, wow, you know, um, uh, so-and-so did such a great job, but you know, a, a dancer is going to see the missing nuances there, but you can get by if you're sort of have a, a well-rounded skill set. And there's a lot of overlap too, right? Like if you, if you can play the guitar, chances are you have rhythm. So maybe you can sure. play the drums a little bit, yeah. right? Or, or this or that. And there's like a lot of carryover and performing arts from one thing to the next. Um, there was a show called, I can do that on NBC that was very short lived where like they taught celebrities how to do different things. Mm -hmm. I think there was like a blue man episode. Yeah. Where they taught someone to be a member of the Blue Man Group. There was like a, a skating episode where they do the, like um, like a couple does skating and they spin, one spins mm -hmm. the other around and it's like dangerous. They hold yeah. her by her feet and right, you know what I'm talking right, about? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. did that. They did, um, you know. It's like I a circus remember. with the stars too, which is a similar concept where you take the cir circus acts and let celebrities do them. And yeah, them and yeah. The truth is, you know, you can do it, but you can only get so far. You're gonna hit, you're gonna hit your ceiling. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a the audience can perceive if someone is kind of like marking through the beats of a performance rather than the beats are in their bones, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference between a novice performer and a skilled performer or a, a pro performer is just. The, the flight time, it being ingrained, the really capturing, like you're saying, the nuances, the little subtleties, the, mm -hmm. you know, everything that comes together that if you are in a dissecting time frame, uh, like mood to try and pick everything apart, sometimes you can, it's it's like the, the there's a comedy book, uh, Dissecting a Frog, right? It's, mm -hmm. you can sometimes get so minute and into the details that it kind of destroys the overall picture because you're only focusing one lens on one part, but it's really an entire, you got to zoom out, see the entire thing for what it is. Well, there's the one you never see. You never see someone who's not a stand-up comic doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> Seriously, that's the one that, that is like sort of the exception for whatever reason. I've um, seen it. I've Have seen you? people think they're stand-up well, comics that go No, 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 no. <laughs> but, like, there's no show where they're teaching celebrities how to be stand-up comics and that. But, like, I guess nobody wants to see it. You could. You could take a team of comedy writers, and they could write a bunch of jokes and give them to, um, you know, Bob Dylan. I'm just thinking of examples mm -hmm. here. I don't know. Someone who's, like, clearly not um, in the comedy space. What would be a good example of that? Like, Gordon Ramsay or something? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Everyone on TV, I think, is a performer in some way. So it's, right. hard, it's hard. Yeah. No, like they're comical in interviews and things like that. So I'm trying to think of someone who's like notoriously serious. Sarah McLaughlin. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but like you could write her a bunch of jokes that she could learn to go and deliver. But like people aren't interested in that if they didn't write it. Yeah. There's that personal element to it, too. I don't sure. know. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting topic and I think there's other branches off of this topic that we're gonna get, get back get, into this get next deep. time. Yeah, I think so. Or another or, time. Or whenever this airs or <laughs> Yeah. We're gonna get back into this. Let's keep it on the list here because Mm -hmm. there, there's more to unpack with this. There's I, a I, lot. I know there is. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it's like we've we've touched upon it in the past and kind of, you know, dealing with, you know, learning technique or even teaching the audience a little bit of the technique so they can have a deeper mm -hmm. appreciation as well. Mm -hmm. But again, there's such a gamut of so many factors coming into play. I worry that when you focus so much on just one, you're missing how everything comes together as a right. complete package. But again, that's what 
practice is, is you take a moment and you work on one small thing. And if you can focus on that one element and improve that element, maybe that'll affect the whole picture in a much larger way than you even expected. Yeah, and you learn that element to the point where you don't even have to think about it and you mm -hmm. can focus on the overall. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. You, you work on the micro so that you can do the macro. Yes, indeed. So Indeed. anywho, we've gone much longer than we anticipated, but this was a fantastic episode. We're going to get back into this topic at some point because it's, I, I'd love to start one episode on this and see where it takes us. Yeah, I think so you too. Know? And uh, I think because uh, this is a bank, we're going to give us uh, a break on goals, Matt. <laughs> Woo, we get a pass, but you know where to find us at our website for the podcast. I mean, let's be honest. Our goals are going to be read a book or clean something, right? At this point. So just Yeah, and I'm that's only going to read a book. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know where to find us at our website at mindovermagicpodcast.com. Write us an email, mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on the socials at mindmagicpod. And then, uh, Matt, people can buy tickets to your show. Yeah, find me at, at Matt Franco. Find him at, at Eric Diddleman, mattfranco.com, ericdiddleman.com. You know what to do. Tell your friends. If you enjoyed it, give it a share. Give it a like. Do your thing, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, feel free to still write Matt funky messages. <laughs> funky messages. If you don't know, you don't know. And, uh, yeah, please share with a friend, especially if they're into magic or just any talk. If they're a Beatles fan, point them to this episode. Uh, this is the one. <laughs> And uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Good night, everyone.